0: Thank you for listening in to the King's Chapel podcast. We hope this message is a blessing to you. Please stay tuned after the message for more information about King's Chapel. If you're new with us, we've been going through the book of Matthew, verse by verse, um, for about two and a half years. And uh, we finish next week. So we are in Matthew chapter 28 is where we'll be today, the last chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, and we've titled this series um, that has to do with, with the uh, the arrest, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all for love, reminding us that everything that we see in these verses, Jesus did because he loves us. Now, this week for us, um, for the Schmidleys, has been uh, a unique week for us, and some of you know what's. Has gone on and others don't. Um, a week ago Thursday, we got word that Felicia's aunt, um, his, her, her dad's brother's wife, had passed away suddenly and unexpectedly on Wednesday night. Her husband, Danny, had come home from church. He'd been staying home from church because she hadn't been in the best health, though nothing was imminent. And so, But he decided to go, hadn't gone in quite a while. And, and when he came home um, found that she had passed away. And the family was obviously devastated. Began to make plans. This was in, in Tulsa. Began to make plans for her funeral. Um, it was scheduled that the visitation was going to be on Sunday, and the funeral was going to be on Monday, Monday of just this last week. Last Sunday, as we were driving home from church, you know, Felicia and I, we drive separately because I come ridiculously early. Um, she she called me as we were driving home and in tears, and she said, my grandma just passed away. Her grandma, who had been living with her parents, who, again, wasn't in, in very good health, but nothing was, was imminent. There didn't seem to be anything that would indicate that she was about to pass away, was there at home, collapsed. Ambulance came and she was with Jesus just that quickly. And so here as Felicia's family on her dad's side lost two members of the family within just a few days of one another, lost Felicia's grandma on the day of the visitation of of the aunt. And as we had the, the visitation for her grandma um, on Friday and the funeral yesterday, my heart was just broken, especially for her uncle Danny, who lost his wife and his mother unexpectedly within four days. And so if you could remember to pray for, for Danny, um, and pray for the whole family, but for him in particular, I could not imagine couldn't imagine the, the hurt and the heartache and the heartbreak. And so we, we as a family Felicia ended up going because of other things because we knew we were going to have to travel twice. She ended up going to Tulsa. Um, she and Caitlin went, the rest of us stayed back, and then we all went to the funeral. Or the, Felicia and I went to the visitation on Friday. We all went to the funeral yesterday. And so it's, it's one of those days, or one of those times and seasons in our life when death is pushed to the forefront. A lot of times we live our lives, you know, thinking day to day and we don't think about the fact that one day that those we love, those who are close to us are no longer going to be with us, that they're going to die. We're going to have to say our goodbyes, we're going to put them in a casket, put them in a grave. And we certainly don't like to think about the fact that of our own mortality, that one day, that the days that we have on this earth are limited and that every day we live, we have one less to go. And we don't like to think about all these things, but for us as a family, those things were pushed into our lap and to the forefront this week. And the question certainly is this, why did why did those two die? They, neither one were in great health. Um, there wasn't an autopsy performed. They, the doctors have some some theories and ideas, but... We don't really know why they died, but I think if you look at the question a little bit differently, theologically, why did they die? It takes us back to the story of the Garden of Eden, and this comes from, let's go to Genesis chapter 3, picking up at verse number 1. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we know the story. Eve reached out and took the fruit and ate it, and Adam reached out and took the fruit and ate it, disobeying and rebelling against God. And so God proclaims a curse on the serpent and on the woman. And to Adam, he said, this is his curse to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles that shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Why did we have two funerals this week? Because we're sinners. Yes, both of these women were were great ladies, served the Lord, but they died because they were sinners of a sinful race of humanity, of which Paul points out that all of us walk in the footsteps of our our father, our father Adam, follow him into sin. All of us are sinners. And because of that, all of us face the fate of Adam. Genesis chapter 5 records, And thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. This was not the plan when God planted the garden. And you go ahead and you read the genealogies. And Seth lived so many years and he died. And you go on and you read the stories of the great heroes of the death of Abraham, the death of Moses, and the death of David, and all of these things. And you think to yourself, why is it that all these people are dying? It's because we're sinners, living in a sinful human race. And that because of our sin, because all of us, just like Adam and Eve who ate of the fruit of the tree, all of us sin against God, and deserve death because of it, and death awaits us because of it. The reason that we die, the reason that we have funerals, the reason that we mourn and sometimes mourn so deeply is because we are of a flawed human race that is reaping the consequences of our sin against God. Matthew in his gospel records, as we saw the last couple of weeks, the death of Jesus. Jesus in his humanity being like one of us, also tasted of death. His death happened, as you know, crucified on a cross. And after he was crucified, he was buried in a tomb, this is the traditional site, but something very much like this cut out of a rock, his body placed inside, wrapped in linen and spices. There's the the stone that would have been rolled in or a stone that would have been rolled in front of a tomb. Something like this, cut out of a rock, where Jesus' body was laid. Because he had taken on the flesh and become flesh of a sinful race where all of us are bound to die. Matthew chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, toward dawn on the first day of the week, it would be Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So if you remember the, how the story has gone, Matthew was, or Jesus was crucified, records on Friday, Good Friday. He was in the tomb on Saturday, the seventh day, the Sabbath, where they all would have rested. And then on Sunday, the first day of the week, the women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the other gospel writers tell us this was Mary, the mother of James. Some also record that a woman named Salome went with them. But they went to the tomb, and behold, When when you see the word behold, that means pay attention. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, if you remember from last week, When when they had had buried Jesus, when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had put Jesus in the tomb, the stone was rolled, the Jewish leaders had said to the Roman authorities, they're going to come and try to steal him. We We need to put a guard there. And they said, go make this tomb as secure as you can. So there are two guards here. The angel shows up, descends from heaven. There's an earthquake. He rolls away the stone, sits on it, and the guards almost die in fear. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. See I have told you. And so they departed quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now, what's interesting about Matthew is of all of the gospel writers, Matthew records the least about. The resurrection and Jesus's appearance after the resurrection, and when you read Matthew, it's almost kind of like there's there's a little bit left to be desired because of all all the stories that we think about about doubting Thomas and about the the, the great catch of fish um, on the Sea of Galilee and the reinstatement of Peter and the men on the road to Emmaus and all of these other stories about the post-resurrection experience about about the women clinging, clinging to his feet about about Peter and John running to the tomb to see all that. All that stuff happens in other Gospels. Matthew just very simply records for us, we're not done with the story, that the women came and the angel was there and he's not there. He is risen just as he said. What I, I love this the way it's described here. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy have you ever had mixed emotions <laughs> seemingly conflicting emotions right what what's going on they had just seen an angel of which number one was so frightening in its appearance so awesome in its appearance that the guards the big burly men were laying passed out like they were dead and the angel had to, had to instruct the women, don't be afraid, as angels always seem to have to do, <laughs> don't be afraid. So you talk about an adrenaline rush, I mean, their heart is going 120 miles an hour, their body is full of adrenaline, uh, right? Afraid, but with great joy. And just maybe to step away from the main teaching this morning for just a moment, this is often what happens when you follow the plan that God has for your life. you're afraid and you're filled with joy and we and sometimes we have to learn to manage those mixed emotions these things that'm I'm, I'm scared to death to do this but I'm so excited that I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it and I've got to work and so here, here are these women and again, all of the people that you wouldn't have expected are the are the heroes of this story. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, Salome, Joseph of Arimathea, Simon who carried his cross. All of these people who you wouldn't have expected, who you hadn't even heard of till this time, are the heroes in the resurrection story. And so the women come. They see the tomb. They see the angel. They talk with the angel. And they return to tell his disciples. Now Jesus had said, Tell my disciples to go to Galilee, up in the north. They're going to have to make a trip. This is going to, they're, they're not missed meeting there in Jerusalem. So, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Now, when you read the other other gospels, here's what happens: they go to Galilee and they meet Jesus. And by this time the women had seen Jesus, and they came back and they reported to them. And the disciples didn't believe. And Luke records for us that the two men walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, which we talked about on Easter Sunday this last year came back, ran back as soon as, it, in, in the evening, in the night, ran back to Jerusalem to tell, and the disciples didn't believe. It wasn't until Jesus came and showed up in Galilee with them that they finally believed. And while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. So the question is this. Why does the resurrection matter. What were to ha- what what would happen if we just lifted this teaching out of the story of scripture. In fact, there are some that are more I- I extreme in their their liberalism to the to the scriptures and the gospel who would say just this that that the resurrection recorded was a spiritual resurrection. That as, as time went on and these people, this fledgling church began and, and God had done such work in them that, it, that, that Jesus was so alive to him that it was as if he had been resurrected. And so they, concoct, they came up with a story, a, a parable, an allegory to explain how This man who had been crucified and died had so transformed their lives that it was as if he was resurrected. The problem with that is this that doesn't fit with any of the rest of Scripture. In fact, it's as you read the book of Acts, it's the resurrection that people typically would stumble over. Without the resurrection, Jesus is a good teacher who suffered at the hands of the Jewish leaders and the Roman authorities and was crucified. And he's got some good things to say and he can help you with your life. And it's a lot easier to to treat Jesus that way and say, well, the resurrection was just, it's just a story. So why does the resurrection matter? Let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, and if Christ has not been raised... Then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. If you if you pull the resurrection out of it, you no longer have Christianity. You no longer have a gospel to believe in. If you were to say, you know what, I I believe Jesus, I love Jesus, I'm so glad that he died because he loved me, but the resurrection is just a little too hard for me to take. That's too hard to believe in. Then you're not a Christian. not. This is not me saying it. This is what Paul is saying. Without the resurrection, the faith is vain. It's useless. It's pointless. There cannot be a church, big C church, little C church, that denies that Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul says if you do that, it's over. Everything falls apart. He says if we are found even to be found to be misrepresented God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So Paul's saying this, we came to you and we told you that Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul would tell you this, I saw the resurrected Christ as well. Not recorded in the gospels, but recorded in the book of Acts. Paul will say, on the road to Damascus, I didn't see a vision of Christ. I saw Christ, the risen Christ. Paul would say, I saw him too. I saw him too. And if that's the case, if he didn't raise, wasn't raised from the dead, then I'm a liar, and everything that I've told you is a lie. Why would you follow me, Paul would say? Why would you believe anything that I said if I lied to you about the resurrection? Now, Notice what's going on here, though. This is a little bit of a shift, and we'll come back to this in a minute. Because the Corinthian church wasn't necessarily saying that Christ hadn't been raised. Some of them were maybe more saying that we weren't going to be raised, that there wasn't a general resurrection of the dead. And so he's saying that if if Christ hasn't been raised, then no one else will be. For if the dead are not raised generally speaking, that even Christ, or not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So what did the resurrection, what did it accomplish? What's it, what did it do for us? And Paul has already begun to give us this. How is it that a man can lose his wife and his mother within a few days and survive? And all of us have stood at the grave of loved ones and been deeply sorrowful, and we think about the, the fact that in the future we're going to lose loved ones again. And Paul says this: because Christ has been raised, we are going to be raised with Him. He says, if if in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus, we are of all men to, most to be pitied. So what's he saying? we don't have hope in Christ Jesus only for this life. There is more. There is more. There is something after this life. So what is he getting at? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's like if you have a garden and you, t- and you take an apple or, or an orchard, you take an apple off of it. What are you expecting? More apples. Jesus was raised from the dead as the first fruit, and the rest of us are coming. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ also be made alive, but each in its own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God or the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. What does the resurrection accomplish? Well, it does multiple things. Number one, Scripture tells us that it validates the testimony of Jesus. Jesus came proclaiming, repent, the kingdom of God is here. He came proclaiming forgiveness of sins in himself. He came into Jerusalem with a triumphal procession, and he was crucified because of it. And other people have come to this earth and claim to be a Christ, claim to be a Messiah. And the resurrection is God's validation that who Jesus claimed to be is actually true, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was not a madman, but he, was, he is our Lord raised from the dead. The resurrection also accomplishes this, is that just as Jesus was raised from the tomb, that day when the angel came and and rolled away the stone and Mary and Mary came and couldn't find him. In that same way, we will be raised at his coming. Is that what Paul said, didn't he? Christ the first fruits and then at his coming, us. How do we survive in a world where our loved ones are taken from us? Because we know that in Christ, that's not the end of the story. A few years ago some dear friends of ours had a son who was stillborn. Alicia and I had we hadn't lived here, we've been here maybe a year or so. I was in seminary, they were a part of our small group. And they asked me to do the funeral. Say what do you say to a family who was grieving that kind of loss? And I prayed about it and I thought about it. And I actually ended up preaching this text of First Corinthians. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, their little Elijah's story had not been fully written yet. It was not over. Yes, there was was grief for loss of, of what they had hoped for and deep pain, but his story was not over. Why? because the last enemy to be to be destroyed is death for god has put all things in subjection under his feet but when it says all things were put in subjection it's plain that he is e- expected to put all things under subjection to him and the last enemy to be destroyed is death See, Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. And what is the the kingdom of God going to do? Well, among other things, it is going to reverse the curse of Eden. All of us were put under a death sentence at the curse of Eden, but Christ came to reverse the curse. He came to bring restoration to humanity. He came to destroy every enemy, including death, but we still live in a world where there's death. See, the kingdom of God came in Jesus, but it is not fully inaugurated. It doesn't come in its fullness till He comes again. And when He comes, even death itself will be destroyed. Because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, those who we lay in the ground in Christ are just there for a while. That they will be raised Just as Jesus raised. And so that's why Paul says, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve, but it's different. Why? Because Jesus is going to destroy even death itself. Death itself is dead as an enemy. And we wait for the return of Jesus for its death to be consummated. This is what the resurrection accomplished. It wasn't just a cool trick. It wasn't just, oh wow, he really is who God says he, he was, though that's important and that matters. The resurrection of Jesus, and then the women came and they and they met the risen Christ in his glorified body, that is what awaits us. It awaits us. Death itself in Christ has been destroyed. So we live differently. Than the rest of the world we don't fear death willing to give our lives in service to the gospel see how can people risk their lives for the gospel go places where it's dangerous because death itself has been destroyed in jesus death no longer has a grip on us the scriptures tell us that god has delivered us in christ from the fear of death this is what jesus has done for us This is why we love him. This is why we serve him with all of our lives and everything that we have because he has reversed the curse for us. Thanks again for checking out this week's message. If you are interested in finding out more about King's Chapel, please visit our website at kingschapel.church. There you can find service times and more ways to connect with us. You can also follow us on social media at kingschapelsgf. We look forward to seeing you soon.